Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome to episode 210 of the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, I'm delighted to be able to share with you a positive birth story. Now, today's story comes from a lady called Natasha, and Natasha lives in Ontario in Canada, and she is completely into the whole idea of conscious living. She even has her own podcast called the Conscious Living Podcast. So she took a very conscious approach to her pregnancy. And listening to what she's got to say, she shares so much wisdom about how to approach your pregnancy, how to approach your birth, and all the learnings that you can take from that whole process of becoming a mother and nurturing a baby inside you and and preparing for that amazing birth experience. She really does have so much to share. And also, quite incredibly, her and her husband filmed the birth. So she also has a YouTube video that is available for you to just go and have a look as well to see how her birth unfolded. Because one thing that Natasha is really passionate about is helping other women to see that having a positive birth experience is possible and it can be done. You can work at it. You can really put the effort in. And if that's what you want, then there's no reason why you can't have it. And so this is one of the reasons why she really wanted to share her story was really to empower other women and to inspire them that this is possible. There is so much wisdom that Natasha shares during the interview that I really don't want to start spilling any of the beans right now because there's just too much to be quite honest. There is just too much. But before I go over to that interview, I do have a couple of hellos for some of the listeners. We've got a little hello for Cherry. Now, I don't know if I said that right, Cherry. Maybe it's Sherry. I don't know, but she loves all the tips and advice on the podcast. And she, one thing that she would like more in her pregnancy that she thinks will help her to prepare for fear-free birth is simply to have more people around her that are going through what she's going through. She She's surrounded by people of retirement age, so that obviously isn't going to be very helpful But I would imagine there's a lot of wisdom in uh, people of that age that maybe can help you on your journey, Cherry. So now I don't know where you are in the world, but maybe seek out a positive birth group. They can be really great to seek out some people that are going through what you're going through, Um, but also some antenatal classes or pregnancy yoga classes. They're also really good to try and link up with other women at similar stages of pregnancy to you. Now, another hello goes to Natasha. Now, I used to work with Natasha a long, long time ago, in fact, when I was pregnant, and she is due next week. And she said that if the baby hasn't arrived by then, then she'll be coming over to the fear-free childbirth meetup. Well, Natasha, I would love to see you. So do pop along. Um, Obviously not if you're in labour. Now, of course, 
Now, talking about the Fear Free Childbirth Meetup, I started this last month. This is a monthly meetup that I hold in my home city of Nottingham here in the UK. So if you are in Nottingham or near Nottingham and you want to come along somewhere where you can hear positive stories, fearless birthing stories, or indeed support around your fears, help with clearing your fears or anything like that, then that is what the Fear Free Childbirth Meetup is all about. So do come along. It's going to be at the Nottingham Showcase Cinema on July the 14th at 11am and we'll be just behind the ticket bank on the right hand side. Now obviously if you're anywhere else in the world other than Nottingham and that is quite possible because this podcast is listened to in about 122 countries then um, you're not going to be able to come to the meetup I'm afraid but so I'm sorry about that. Okay so are you ready? Now I'm going to hand over to the time that I spoke to Natasha all about her wonderful positive birth experience. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Natasha, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You are going to be sharing your positive birth story with us today. So before we dive into all that, would you mind just telling the listeners a little bit about who you are, Natasha, and yeah, more about what you do and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So my background is actually in child and family therapy. Um, I have a master's in uh, clinical psychology. And I actually decided whenever uh, my husband and I had our son three years ago, almost now, so that's crazy how fast wow. time goes. Yeah. But I actually, when I was holding him, um, breastfeeding one day, I remember looking down at him and thinking, I, you know, I'm going to tell this child he can be and do anything he, he desires in this world. And then I kind of had this really existential moment where I thought, am I doing and being everything I have been designed to do? And at that moment, I literally told my husband, I have to resign from this nine to five, you know, risk-free job, essentially, because I had a great pension and good benefits and all that stuff. And I decided to go out on my own and really follow kind of my heart. And so that led me into um, po the podcasting world, actually, and also um, going out and doing speaking engagements and uh, trainings all about kind of living this idea of living consciously. So this idea of living the life um, that you desire and kind of recognizing the culture that we live in and the conditions that they put upon us. And if they're not working for us, then how can we begin to follow our heart and really break free from that conditioning to live a life that is fulfilling for our unique selves. Mm. So that has kind of, I mean, my son is my greatest teacher even to this day and probably, you know, till the day I, I, I'm gone. But that really kind of threw me into a whole different uh, ball game as to how I, I see my life. And, and so right now, that's kind of what I'm doing is fo focusing on this idea of conscious living, being aware of the decisions that we make. Um, and how it impacts those around us and the world at large. Mm, no, incredible, incredible. So is that how you define conscious living or is there a little bit more to it for you? I mean, you've described it so beautifully there, but I, I you know, I've just sort of written about conscious living for, as part of my book. And, and I, as I, the more I dived into that as a topic, I realised it's, it's actually quite broad and, and it encompasses quite a lot. I wondered if you had anything more that you wanted to add to this idea of conscious living. Yeah, it's really being aware. So I associate the word conscious uh, equating to awareness mm. and being aware of why we do the things that we do 
and how that really impacts, like I said, the people around us in the world at large. And so conscious living is kind of this umbrella that uh, my husband and I hold um, to be true for, you know, the way we build our houses. So my husband's a general contractor and he only builds sustainable, environmentally friendly houses. So he's really taking the building industry um, and turning it upside down and saying, like, look, we need to we need to really up our game here if we want to make, you know, the world a better place in terms of how we build um, mm-hmm. our homes and our buildings. And then we also really focus on the foods that we put into our bodies and challenge, you know, what are we buying in the grocery stores? Are, is it actually, you know, making our bodies sick or is it actually helping our bodies and keeping our bodies healthy? Because our, na- our bodies naturally are designed to constantly um, regenerate and, and, and be in a healthful state. But our foods today aren't necessarily um, uh, supporting that. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, even the clothes that we wear. So my husband and I, we buy a lot of secondhand stuff, uh, which there's stores all around Canada. I'm in Canada, so there's stores all around Canada opening up that are consignment stores. So it's really a win-win, right? Mm. You make money off the clothes that you buy. And, and I mean, they're good quality clothes. Um, So it's really being aware of, you know, what's the off-gassing of the materials and our furniture and all of these different purchases that we make you know what is what is happening and what is really going on so it's not just limited to um, work and the work that we bring into the world but also you know our purchases that we make and the food and etc etc no fabulous thank you thank you well now sort of bringing that across now to your your you know the lead up to your birth I'd like to ask you Natasha what how what described to me the day that you found out that you were pregnant Oh my goodness. I remember it was December 6th, uh, 2012. And uh, uh, my husband and I, I was 30, uh, 32 at the time. And I, we knew we wanted to have a child as soon as we were married. We had been together for about seven years um, prior to that. And I wanted to be younger. I didn't want to wait much longer. And so being 32, I, we tried for a few months and bango we were <laughs> we, we found out and it was the happiest day of our lives and it, it's really um an identity shift mm-hmm. uh, at that moment when you know that uh, your life will never be the same as you once knew it to be mm-hmm. so my husband came home from work and I basically just showed him the stick and we celebrated and um I had a, a, a rough go the first few months well probably the first two months and then um I had just had an amazing pregnancy. I, I cannot complain one bit mm. um, at all. But I also put a lot of work into it, right? I, I did a, a lot of um, research into how to keep my body physically well, not just the food, but also always moving my body. Because mm. I think um, there's a lot of misconception that, you know, we need to rest and not move as much. But in fact, um, that was opposite for me. I felt worse if I didn't move. Mm. So you mentioned it was a bit rough at the beginning. What kind of mm-hmm. what, what what were those experiences like? If you don't mind sharing, of course, I I just experienced a lot of uh, nausea and a lot of uh, uh, fatigue mm. for the first probably ten weeks, and then all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I thought, oh my goodness, I can I feel like myself again, and I thought, what's wrong? <laughs> and isn't that amazing how our minds instantly go to there's something wrong, right? Mm. Even when we're feeling good. Mm. So uh, I waited for my, you know, my three month checkup and everything was fine. But 
that was kind of an eye-opening for me to think my mind automatically wants to go to what is wrong rather than what is right. And and having uh, the background that I have in um, you know child development and um, psychology, I, I know that there are very good biological reasons as to why our minds go there. Our brains are designed to go to fight or flight, and, and they're designed to flee if we, you know, are if a tiger's coming towards us. But our brains haven't necessarily developed into the modern world that, it, you know, we're not being chased by tigers and lions on the average person isn't anyways. But yeah, it, it was very interesting to see that. I remember my first pregnancy, in fact, I hit, I think it was on my, just at the end of my first trimester, I had a very similar experience where one day I just woke up and I wasn't tired and I just felt like me again. I was like, wow, I'm back in the room. And it was literally from one day to the next. And it sounds like that was a very similar to your experience. Exactly. Like, yeah, that, that feeling of being back. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. So from then on in, you, you say your pregnancy was beautiful, was gorgeous was lovely is that is that how it went from from then on in yeah it it really was and I have to give credit to you know my husband as well as the work that we did because it's when I say work I say work in the most kindest precious way I I don't mean it's you know rough and tough and hard Um, work literally I'm using as lack of better word but we started immersing our minds with uh, movies and documentaries and books that were going to set us up to have the birth and the pregnancy that we wanted. Mm. And I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to not have a pregnancy that was going to put me on bed rest. And I know there's many conditions out there that some women don't have a choice and you know that's a whole other conversation that's completely fine but in in my case where I was you know low risk I didn't want to be something that I needed treatment or I needed an or was an illness I really wanted to view pregnancy as a way my body was designed to do it and I and I had this deep and I still do I have this deep-rooted belief that women's bodies are designed to bring life into the world And so because I had that belief, and it is a belief, you can choose to believe it or not believe it, it helped me trust. And I think that the word trust was the biggest, um, I I would say, tool that I had to pull out every single day of my pregnancy and as well as my labor. (laughs) And did that, did that belief, was that always there, that belief? Or did absolutely you have to kind not. of actively seek it out? It was always there. Oh, it's such a great question. It was absolutely not there oh, <laughs> for okay. many, many years. I, I mean, honestly, my, if I'm to be real here and honest, my training of, you know, what the birthing and, and pregnancy experience is like for women would be Hollywood movies, which is quite mm-hmm. traumatic, you know, yeah. the yelling and the screaming. And like I said, the sickness and the treatment that you quote unquote need when you're um, laboring and even pregnant. Uh, that was my training. That's what I thought it was. And, and I didn't know any different until I decided I wanted to have a different experience. And when I, figured that out when I said I choose to see that my body is designed for this I choose to bring in life with not necessarily fear and not needing treatment because I'm not sick 
then everything shifted. And then I also, because of my, my psychology background, I knew that my mind was going to be a huge player in my physical body. And so if I could incorporate a mindset that was going to support the birth I ultimately wanted to have, which was, you know, a natural, um, loving, supportive, not a rushed, sterile, um, cold environment, then I was going to be, I was going to be setting myself up for that experience. Mm. And that is exactly what I did. I immersed my mind and I actually set boundaries when people, and I'm sure you and your listeners have had this experience happen where people, strangers will literally come up to you and tell you their birth story. And yeah. it's traumatic most of the time. <laughs> and, and so I don't know why people feel the need to do that, but anyways, they do. And I remember saying to people, um, unless this is a good story, I, I prefer not to hear it. And I would use humor, right? I wouldn't be rude about it. I would obviously be kind, but yet, but yet firm to just kind of set those boundaries because the unconscious mind will absorb that information and will kind of ultimately affect the experience that you want to have. So I just really made sure that I wasn't exposing my mind in any way to put fear into it. Mm. And one of the questions I always got when I shared I was we wanted to have a home birth was well what if something goes wrong and I know you I'm sure you and your <laughs> listeners can relate to that and I've heard that many times yeah and my answer would always be what if everything went right exactly <laughs> and the thing with that question however is I had to train my mind to say that because automatically, initially, my mind wanted to go to what if everything went wrong. And every time that thought would come into my mind, I would say, what if everything went right? What if everything went right? And I would say it over and over and over again. And because I just practiced that, practiced that and practiced that, it wasn't an option for for anything to go wrong. Because I didn't, I didn't allow that into the space. Mm. I get a lot of listeners uh, emailing me, and and one, I, I think in the last week I've had a, a lady email me just saying, I really know it's really great. I immerse myself in the positive stories, but I just can't get away from the real life of all these women sharing negative birth stories in my face, and it's like. <laughs> This yeah. is what they're battling with. This is what it's like at the front line when you're pregnant. And it's awful. I can't believe that other women are doing this mm -hmm. to women knowing how that affects them, you know, and it really mm -hmm. is real. So it's great that you're, you know, you found a way of kind of keeping them at arm's length and mm -hmm. dealing with them in a humorous way that meant, I, I know that I lost all humor with that question as my pregnancy wore on. I would just kind mm -hmm. of hold my hand up in the stop sign as if say, ah, don't even go there. <laughs> You know, um, so, yeah, it's great that you managed to handle it. And I think it's really important to say, you know, putting those boundaries in place because this is this is the, the only area that you can protect in yourself. Really, it's your mind. And you've really got to start controlling everything that comes in so that you can really plan for that wonderful birth. And it sounds like you did a really, really good job there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I it really it helps you. If, I mean, if you're someone who struggles with setting those boundaries, and I I was one of those people throughout my life, and and it is difficult and it is kind of challenging um, at the beginning. But then once you do it, a really neat thing starts happening is people start to really respect you at a different level, mm. and because you're doing it at a respectful way, you're not doing it in a way that you know 
is rude or obnoxious. You're just, you're respecting their story, but you're also respecting yourself and your baby. And, Mm. and, and people, people understand that they get that. And, you know, when I was pregnant, I was actually still practicing child and family therapy. So I was working with children and therefore parents all the time. So I get, I got those stories (laughs) all the time. So I was, I was really practicing, you know, using that muscle of, of putting those boundaries up, which actually help you once that baby comes into the world of Absolutely. using boundaries. I was just going to say that, and I'm glad you said that first, because, yeah, the idea of, you know, when you are a mother and a parent, you, you're going to have to put those boundaries in place because everyone is always going to have an opinion about your mothering style or education mm. or disciplining, whatever it is. There's always going to be somebody sticking their nose in. So for you to be able to start carving out those boundaries and being respectful of your own space versus other people's is really good practice to start doing that in pregnancy. Yeah, I think everything we do during pregnancy and and um, labor and bringing life into the world sets us up for how we will parent. Mm. And so if you can start practicing that now, then how you parent is going to be not easier, but it's going to be it's going to flow better because you're already going to have had those practices, quite frankly, put into practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as your pregnancy was moving on wonderfully, how are your, you know, it sounded like you were, you know, deploying all your good psychology training and getting your mindset into a good place. But was there anything specific or were there any practical things that you were doing to help you stay in that really good mindset? Yeah, like I was saying, there was uh, some books I was reading, some good documentaries. I actually would go onto YouTube and and find try and find uh, positive child birthing experiences, which I had a difficult time doing, unfortunately. And so that's why my husband and I decided that we would do recordings of our birthing experience to provide that for people, for families, for women, for men who are looking for that specific thing of having um, a not-so-traumatic experience. Because, um, oh my gosh, there were so many videos we watched <laughs> that I'm like, oh my, no, no, my mind. Um, but, uh, you know, something that actually shines light on a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what we wanted to do. We just want to empower women um, and men, for that matter, to challenge everything they thought they knew to believe to be true about birth and get clear of what, they want to experience and um, that it is possible and it is possible to have a positive birth experience. It really is. But you have to, you have to work at it. And, and again, I don't use that word work as a negative. Um, I use it as very much a positive because you're practicing a muscle, right? Mm -hmm. You don't go to the gym and work out your biceps once you go to the gym every day to keep that bicep strong and I'm not saying every day, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you don't yeah. just go once. You're constantly practicing fine-tuning the mind. So that's what we did through you know, physical exercise. So I did a lot of yoga. I walked every single day. I took stairs as much as possible. I parked. I never park in those parking spots that are you know, now created for pregnant women at the very you know, closest to the store. I always parked furthest away. So I'm walking as much as possible. Um, just little things like that, little tweaks that kept me physically um, fit. Because again, when you're in labor, 
it's like a marathon, right? Yeah. And so if my body hasn't prepa- been preparing for that marathon, I'm going to be exhausted and I may not have the energy to pull through um, for the birthing experience that I want to have. Mm-hmm. So thinking of kind of the pregnancy itself, prepping you for that beautiful experience that you're going to have um, at the end. Mm. So in the, in all of that, it all sounds, you know, that you were doing swimmingly well during your pregnancy, but were there any sort of moments of, uh, you know, like you really struggled or you, you had a few fears popping in or any wobbly bits, um, you know, emotionally or in the mindset or whatever in, in that period? I, I think my experience, well, like I said, at the very beginning, the first um, few months where I had the the physical, you know, nausea and fatigue, and then all of a sudden it was gone. That was a little, uh, uh-oh. Um, and so I kind of went through that experience. But also throughout the pregnancy, for me, it was more of uh, really trying to be in the moment with my baby and enjoying that experience as much, much as possible. So uh, when I would feel, I, I didn't read a whole lot in terms of the baby's development, you know, because I didn't want to, if I didn't feel a certain amount of kicks in a day, I didn't want to freak out. Mm. <laughs> and so I didn't fill my mind with more of the medical s- stuff and the physical development of the baby as much as I did the spiritual, emotional part of connection from mother to baby. So I focused a lot on that and really um, rubbing my belly and and connecting and kind of, you know, just talking with my baby on a level that it was nonverbal even, you know, Mm -hmm. I would just I would just connect that way. Um, For me, it was and still is the connection rather than um, how many fingers and toes. And I want my child to know that he's loved rather than. needing to have five fingers <laughs> and and that again it, it's a practice that I still have today with my son I, I want him to know that um, I want him to have the skill of compassion not necessarily the skill of knowing this specific moment in history mm-hmm. in history mm-hmm. class so it's kind of that that I, I focus on but in terms of the the physical part I I can't really say that I had a lot of blips other than the identity shift. So what do you mean by that? I, mean, I know what you mean, but how was that for you? Yeah. So the identity shift was, um, okay, so now I'm this, um, I'm, I'm coming from this single woman um, wife, kind of having a lot of freedom to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it to, I now have to think of this other being that I'm bringing into the world and what is that going to look like and and who am I in that mix? Mm. So that was and still is, and I think it's constantly evolving, yeah. um, you know, not a challenge, but um, a growing experience. Mm. I know. I think for me, my when I had my first daughter, I, I still kind of tried to blag that I was this single free person <laughs> and I kept my sporty hat, you know, and, and it was like, yeah, yeah, I can carry on as I was doing it before. And it only kicked in with my second. I thought, uh-uh, you're going to have to get the mum car now. You've got to get two car seats in the back. You have to ditch the hat and start acting like a mum, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I think I'm still clinging on. Yeah, as you say, it's a growing experience that kind 
kind of yeah. evolves all the time as you kind of adjust, you know. So exactly. I totally, totally get that one. So now I'm interested in the lead up to your birth. So look, well, now I want to sort of bring your mind to maybe the, the few weeks leading up to your due date. So first of all, tell me what your due date was. <laughs> this is a funny story. So my due date was August 14th. Okay. 20, 2013. Okay. Yeah. So what's the funny story? So the, it's not necessarily funny, but it's just really cool, actually. So my estimated, <clears throat> excuse me, due date was August 13th, and or sorry, August 14th. And my uh, water released on August 13th at 10.30 p.m. Wow. And I thought, man, this baby is bang on already. <laughs> and so I, I said, bring it. And so um, my water released I called our doula because we had a, a doula and I told her what was happening and and she said okay so get as much rest as you can and um my midwife came probably around 7 a.m uh the following morning so August 14th and I had a very long labor as my son was born at 12 30 a.m on August 15th so he oh, wow. just missed by 30 minutes his uh his estimated due date <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So hang on, I, I want to talk about the birth in more detail, but I want to skip back a bit now because you mentioned you hired a doula. So at what <laughs> point did you decide that you wanted a doula to support you during your birth? So it was probably around, it was actually borderline like first semester into my second trimester, or trimester, sorry. Um, my husband and I thought, okay, we want to have a home birth. What does that look like for us? Well, we want to have the most relaxed environment as possible. For me, going into hospitals instantly triggers anxiety. I just, I look around, I see sickness and illness and and it just triggers anxiety. And I know anxiety makes our bodies tighten up. And to have a baby, you need to do the opposite, which is open up. <laughs> and so that was, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to have home birth. But also, I wanted to create an environment at home that was going to be as less anxiety inducing as possible. So we decided um, to put some money into hiring a doula so that my husband also had, you know, support and coaching because he's kind of caught up in the emotion behind what's happening. He's never done this before either. And so we just thought it would, it made sense to have a doula for um, him as well as myself who, I knew I was going to need reminding of in certain experiences during the labor. And I did. I, I actually did. And we can go into more detail on that, um, talking mm. about that experience. But um, the doula, our doula that we hired, she was actually our hypnobirthing um, practitioner. So we did hypnobirthing classes at around six months. And that was oh my goodness, highly, I highly recommend that. Again, it's just kind of conditioning your mind to set yourself up for the birth birth that you want. Um, and that was just, you know, through meditations and listening to mantras and uh, having, again, a practitioner that can kind of coach you through what is happening to your body. And I think a lot of the time we just don't know. And so that brings... Um, physical symptoms of anxiety up for us, right? Because we, especially first time around, you have no idea what is going to happen, what your body's doing. And so it's this spiraling effect that um, occurs. But I think once you get an understanding of 
what is a sensation, a.k.a. contraction, um, and once you realize what it is, it's not so scary anymore. And then once you kind of surrender to it, then it allows the passage and the sensation to happen fearlessly, essentially. Mm. And did you sort of listen to a lot of um, hypnobirthing tracks or have that hypnobirthing practice that you kind of maintained in the lead up to your birth? Mm-hmm. I, I would listen to about one CD uh, every night or every other night before bed. So that's kind of what the last thing my mind would be consuming before I would close my eyes mm. and sleep. Mm. And it was literally like a 15 minute practice. So we're not talking, you know, a lot of time because for, you know, all those moms out there who already have a lot of children or a children, another child, then it's not going to take a lot of time to do. And, and I mean, you get what you put in too. So if you wanted to do an hour a day, um, fantastic. If you want to do five minutes a day, fantastic. Or if you didn't want to do it at all, that's fine too. But like anything in life, you, you, can't, you get what you put in. So the effort that uh, you put in is going to be what you what you get. So now let's go back to birth because I'm dying to hear about your birth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so your waters broke just before on the 13th of August. And then yeah. so then so then how did that all unfold then from then on in? Well, we didn't sleep a wink. I bet. <laughs> no, we didn't sleep a wink. We were just so excited. I actually, as soon as my water is released, I, I started trembling just because of the, the hormone shift that happens at that point. And so I was literally shaking for probably what felt like a good hour. It was probably maybe 20 minutes. Um, and then I started experiencing... Uh, in the hypnobirthing world, we call contraction sensations mm. because we use um, language as a real source of power. And whenever we say contract, you know, instantly that word kind of makes us want to constrict, which is not what we want our bodies to do. We want our bodies to open, right? So we use the word sensation instead. And again, this is like a tool that you can use later on in life, not just through your birthing experience, but later on. Um, to help soften life experiences. So something like, I'm sure you've heard me say the idea of work and, you know, my husband and I don't see the work we do as being work in a negative connotation. We, the work we do is actually kind of our mission and our purpose. And so if we see it as a mission and a purpose, then there's, there's energy and there's love that, that supports that rather than work, you know, Oh, yeah boring dry hard annoying whatever um so the sensations that i was experiencing uh weren't too intense throughout the evening i think it was more just excitement and so we didn't sleep at all and our midwife came around 7 a.m at the time our doula came at that point as well and we hung out at home. My hubby had um, some meals prepped before. And so it was a relaxing day. It was a beautiful August uh, day. So I was outside laboring for a while as well. And and we had a birthing pool. So I didn't know if I was going to use it. I just wanted as many options there as possible. Um, because I didn't know what my body was going to need at any given moment. So I just wanted options. Mm. So I actually didn't use the pool until the very end, till I was in transition and I was actually pushing. Ironically, the water just didn't feel right for me okay. earlier on. 
but the during the day I had told my midwife initially I didn't want her when she would do any physical exams on me I didn't want to know how far I was dilated and again I didn't want to know my number because I didn't want to set my mind up to go into anxiety of spiraling mm. so for example um, if I had been laboring all night and my midwife came at 7 a.m. and checked me and she said, oh, Natasha, you're only four centimeters, for example, I would have been like, oh, my goodness, I can't handle this. Take me to the hospital. Mm. I didn't want to know how far along I was. For all I knew, at 7 a.m. when my midwife came and, and did it, an exam, I was seven centimeters, you know, and I only had a few more minutes to go. I I had no idea where I was on that spectrum, which meant I had no anxiety leading up to, I can't handle this, or um, I'm going to have, you know, 12 more hours. I I just didn't know that. And thank goodness I didn't because I actually probably would have said, I can't, I can't do this. Mm. So that was a huge piece to, um, what I believe to be a successful birth was just not knowing my numbers and just trusting my body and my baby and my midwife too. Because I said to my midwife, the only way I want to know is if you think there's something wrong and that we need to, that I need to know. Mm-hmm. And so she honored that. And I think that that's a huge piece um, to your birthing team is to make sure that the people who um, you have on your team are going to support and respect your your wishes and your intentions. Mm. That's a huge piece. So um, for me, we met that, that our midwife was fantastic, our doula was fantastic, and they both honored what we needed and respected what, what we had intended. So that was a big piece, knowing your numbers <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you are more prone to anxiety, which I, I am, I just knew that that was going to kibosh a lot of the, the anxious thoughts that were going to come into play. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh, that's exactly my stance as well that I took during both mm-hmm. my births. I was like, I don't need this information. It doesn't mean anything anyway, because there's no, it doesn't. There's yeah. no evidence or science to back up that this has any bearing on how long you've got to go. It's just useless information from mother. Absolutely. So, and you're right, you know, when people get told that like, oh, that means I'm here, that means and we add meaning onto it. And then this meaning can get the the mind going. And that's just a bad thing to happen in birth. You want the mind to exit the building. You don't want your mind to be yes. involved in anything, do you? So, so yeah, I completely understand you not wanting to know your numbers. I completely understand that. So as you were, so you were laboring all day. What, all day. Yeah. How was that? How do you remember that? Did that just go? I mean, I, you know, I, I remember when I was in labor, it just felt like time was this other thing that had no bearing on my existence there. I just felt like a blur. How, how was the whole day of laboring for you? The, the earlier stages, the earlier um, in the day, it wasn't so much of a blur. I, I remember it um, quite consciously, actually. And I remember just thinking it was it was beautiful. Like the, the um, contractions of the sensations that I was having um, weren't too, too intense at that point. And so they would kind of just have me, you know, take a breath, you know. And then as I progressed in the labor, then um, then my mind started really not being in this world (laughs) it really transitioned and so I lost all track of time and everything around me my environment completely changed and I just went inward and earlier in the day though 
I was aware of how my contractions were progressing. And as they got stronger and stronger in terms of sensation, I had a mantra that I used. And again, I use it to this day when I'm experiencing a difficult time. And that is, this too shall pass. And my birthing experience helps me get through what I think I can't handle in everyday life um, because I know I got through that. And if I can get through that, I can get through anything. And so when I would have a sensation, I would say, this too shall pass. And each time it always passed. Every time it passed. And it was just this constant over and over mantra that I would say that reminded me that it's going to pass. And it always did. And again, today I use it. You know, if I'm having um, a rough time with my, you know, three-year-old, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners and yourself can relate to, it's not always easy. And sometimes there's, you know, high emotions. I will say that. I will say this too shall pass. The emotion will come and it will pass. Mm. And so it, 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 it almost, my birth was like an anchor for um, the fact that I can handle anything. Mm. And and women, we can handle anything. I mean, think about what we can do. Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal what we can do. Yeah, it's amazing. It is. It's just awe inspiring when you kind it's of awe. really wrap your head around it. It does blow your mind. That yeah, you know, I and I think my... we shouldn't forget that. No, like, I really think we shouldn't forget that. Absolutely. No, I thought I look at my little two and think, my goodness I made those like, <laughs> yes you know when you think about that that's really weird and yeah. my, my second little one who's quite special in her own little way she's constantly coming up to me lifting up my top and pointing to my belly and like almost mm. like hugging it like like and pointing and as if I know I keep thinking she's saying I live there that's mine you know wow. and, and that kind of I don't know and it's yeah it's amazing that we have created these little beings and to yes. think that nature has made them and can't help us birth them is crazy you know why would nature do that so why why are human beings getting so stressed around birth because when you can create a whole human being without while you sleep you know of course you can birth while you sleep or birth without thinking exactly we were designed to do this you know we were designed to do it and i i truly believe we were not designed necessarily to do it alone and that's the, the the a really big key is creating the community around you that is going to support you in your desires and and what you are capable in of doing and your intentions because it is. It, it's. It's it, having a positive birthing experience is not what we're taught. Mm. It's not what we're taught, and so we really have to seek out those people who did what you want to experience, and then have them support you. And if there's any listeners out there who are looking for that support, you email me, and I will be. <laughs> I will be your support because I, I believe that the more people that have these positive experiences and kind of take their their ownership back of their bodies and and their babies, then um, we're going to be bringing in a generation that is going to make this world such a more loving, compassionate place. Because there is re- there is research, there is science showing now um, that how you bring a child into this world greatly impacts how they are in the world. Mm. And so if, again, if we can kind of marry that with 
with women empowering themselves and trusting what God gave them, which is this beautiful feminine body, then beautiful things, miraculous things happen. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Now, get back to your birth. (laughs) So um, things were progressing. And now you said you got into the pool at transition. Is that what you said? Yeah, so around 11pm that night, I was I was sitting on on our toilet that we have a bathroom in our in our basement, I was sitting on the toilet. And my midwife said, you know, we should it's been almost 24 hours since your water broke, we should really consider moving into the hospital. And I said to my midwife, other than it being 24 hours since my water broke, is there any other grounds to suggest that there's something wrong? And she said, no. And I said, okay, that's not an option. And I remember saying that. And I looked at the stairs to go upstairs and I ran up them as fast as I could. And I knew in my heart of hearts that that would put me into the next stage. (laughs) And so I did it. And by the time I got to the top of those stairs, I was basically in transition. Wow. And so, so I, your yeah. pool was upstairs. My pool was okay, upstairs. Okay, because yeah, in, was... in my head, pool was downstairs. Like yeah, yeah, sorry. Direction. I like to clarify that because a lot of people, a lot of people think that as well. Yeah, sorry. No, That's the okay. pool was upstairs and in, in our, our living room upstairs. Okay. So I, I went upstairs and I, um, transitioned at that point and I knew I did because, oh boy, everything changed. You know, the, the way I was, I literally, I didn't know what time it was. I I just started groaning and couldn't get comfortable. And all day I was able to comfort myself and my body to a certain degree. And at that point I couldn't. And I just had this strong desire to, to get this baby out. And so um, we were playing around with different positions that would be most comfortable. And finally I said, okay, let's, let's try this pool. So I went in. And that is where um, our doula was most helpful because that's when I started losing and forgetting the training that I had. So I was starting to scream high pitch. And my training was don't scream high, take that energy because it's just energy and, and bring it down to the baby and ground. And so that's what I did. So then I started groaning and really just pushing it, like grunting, rather than um, bringing it up because you want to bring it down. So that was just such a great reminder. And I think that that, I highly recommend anybody. I mean, if if husbands or partners can help you do that and remind you of those things, then that's fantastic. But in my husband's case, he's so caught up in the moment, he doesn't even remember this stuff too, right? <laughs> and I don't want him to necessarily have to do that. So that was such a, a helpful um, tactic for my doula. Plus, she again is there to normalize the whole experience and remind me of what my body's doing. Because it's so easy at that point when you're when you're pushing and when you are right at your edge where you think you can't do it anymore, mm. the miracle happens and yeah. you think you just can't. And she's there to remind you yeah. that oh boy, can you ever? Yeah. And here it comes. And again, just 
normalizing the experience and telling you, reminding you of what's happening, that everything is okay, makes makes gives you the energy to keep going. So with that, um, the actual birth then, did you, how, how was that for you when it, when that little one finally showed up? What was, talk me through that little, that, that bit. Yeah, so he, I had about, I did about three pushes and, and he came out and instantly I put him, I wanted him skin to skin for as long as possible. And my husband also did skin to skin and it was the most miraculous experience of my life the most powerful experience of my life because I've never experienced so much um, emotional spiritual physical transformation as I did in that moment I still remember it and Mm. thankfully we got it on on video too so I can relive it over and over again Um, even in the mind's eye would have been enough but I also kind of want him to see that too one day whenever he's old enough to see it. And, oh, I just, I can't wait. You know, I just want to share that experience because I, I, I want to, you know, it's so powerful. And physically, you know, as women, we're just rushed with endorphins, right? And, yeah. and to, you know, for survival purposes. But there's just so much involved in that moment, even for my husband, that it was absolutely incredible. We didn't know what we were having either. I I had felt like it was a girl the whole time. He came out and it was a boy. So we were shocked. So that was the shocking factor of, oh my goodness, it's a boy. Even our midwife said, it's a boy? (laughs) She even was convinced it was a girl. So that um, was shocking. And he was, you know, this beautiful, healthy baby boy. Um, He was perfect size and um, healthy. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So this is... This is quarter past midnight, was it? You mm-hmm. said it's 15 minutes past. So how did, you know, so you're at home. So did you, you know, they sort of, you know, put everything away and clean up and then you just went back to bed or oh, how, so how that, was that at home? Yeah, that was the beautiful thing. So I, the midwife, we had two midwives at that point. So when you transition uh, here in Ontario, they have one midwife for the for the mom and then another midwife is called upon transition for the baby and so when I had transitioned the second midwife came in and she had made a little bed up for me on my couch and they literally I had tore a little bit so they had to stitch me up which by the way I didn't even feel um both when I tore and when they stitched me up. But again, this all happens in the comfort of my home on my mm. couch. After Sullivan came out, um, we did skin to skin for, for quite a while. So probably for about 10 minutes. And then um, they transitioned me to the couch after I had delivered um, placenta and everything, mm. which took a little while. And I remember thinking that that wasn't fun. Yeah. Um, that was no fun because I just wanted to be with my baby and yeah. I just didn't want to have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and it took actually longer than than what my midwife considers to be normal. So that was kind of more of an annoyance than anything, really. And then once I was on my couch, which was probably around 1 o'clock at this point, 1.30 a.m., I just literally sat back holding my baby <clears throat> and watched this beautiful team, my husband, my doula, my, the two midwives clean up Mm. and talk about the day. 
It was so much fun. And my midwife, who was obviously monitoring everything medically throughout the day, um, she said, Natasha, these are your numbers. So she showed me after, right? So she's like, by um, 2 p.m., you were only dilated, say, six centimeters. (laughs) And yeah, right? And if I had known that, could you imagine and so we were laughing the whole time um after um and it was just you know fun and mm. uh, just beautiful it was just beautiful mm. so thinking about your birth then and i am going to mention the p word that i know that hypnobirthers don't like to mention but did you experience anything that might be considered pain during your birth well like i was saying i definitely you hit your edge you hit your edge where you think you cannot do it anymore. Like literally, mm. you can't, like I, I said, I remember saying like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And again, to have somebody there saying, Natasha, whoever else, you can do this and you are born to do this. You are designed to do this. Just that alone gives you the energy to push once more. Yeah. Gives you the energy to just plant that seed of thought that, yes, I can. Mm. Yes, I can. Mm. So, of course, I experienced, you know, pain or sensations that I I would rather not have. (laughs) Um, But, you know, such is life, right? Anything worth having requires um, a certain amount of force that we may not want Mm. to experience. Mm. Again, that's why taking that birth... And utilizing the skills and the teachings I learned into my everyday life today and onwards is priceless and and really timeless. Mm. I know when I think about my first birth, I think it was more intense in terms of sensation. I I still don't think of that as pain. I think of like, you know, when you just said, can you do this? And it's that sense of, like you said, reaching your edge. And for me, it's like, I don't know if I can dig any deeper here. Yes. I feel like I've reached my my lot. I've reached, dug, dug for all the strength I've got. And there's no more. Um, yeah. Rather than, ow, this hurts. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was just, I'm spent. I've got no yeah. more energy. And it sounds like that was yours as well. That was av- absolutely mine. And that is and that is where, you know, the, the coaching and that team, that support network around you is going to say, oh, yes, mm-hmm. baby. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah. And I think that taking that, taking that experience of Natasha, you once thought that you were at your edge, but then you challenge that edge and you went even further. And if you can take that life lesson into how you live your life, think of what you can do mm. and who you can become. It is absolutely amazing. And that's, you know, one of my biggest teachings that I want to bring into the world and why I do the work I do is because I I want that for everyone. I want them to recognize their edge and then see, oh, they're way more than that edge. (laughs) They are way more than that. And if you can take your birthing experience to be kind of the, the reminder, then you you've not only, you know, won your, your game, but you've also brought into life, brought into the world, this life that is going to um, be set up to win as well. Mm-hmm. So when you look back to your, the way that you prepared for your birth and, and I mean, is there anything that you look back and think, oh, I'm so glad I did that, that bit 
probably didn't really help me much. Or I mean, with hindsight, is there anything that you look back and think, yeah, you know, this is what I would next time. I'm definitely going to do this again. And I might not do that. You know, is there anything like that that you're thinking now that you've been through it all? I'm a huge believer in, you know, everything happens exactly the way it's supposed to with good intentions. And so there is a lot to be said about having an intention of the experience you want to have. So, for example, if you want to have a natural home birth, um, then allow that and set yourself up to only see that. But allowing for flexibility um, for nature to take its course, too. And a lot, I speak to a lot of women who say, you know, Natasha, I, I, I wanted a home birth, but I ended up in the hospital with a cesarean. <laughs> and then they're really, really upset and down and out because what they had expected um, was not what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And if you can allow for flexibility um, to happen and trust that whatever is going to happen is supposed to happen, then the aftermath is going to be a positive one. It's not going to be a negative one. Thankfully, when I set out my intentions of the experience I wanted to have, it actually was exactly what I wanted. But I worked at it, right? Every single day, I said, this is what I want to have. Yes, could things go wrong? Or sorry, if my mind went to, well, what if things go wrong? I instantly trained it to, no, what if everything went right? So I think I particularly didn't have experiences that I would change, even if they weren't exactly the way I wanted, because I feel like I needed to go through it. But I also believe that if you can allow for flexibility of mother nature to kind of take course and be okay with that, then you'll set yourself up for a win rather than you know an expectation that may not be necessarily your journey Mm, yeah I think that's a really really good point and I've had this is something that I sort of do with my clients as well as you know yes of course plan for that very best that you want plan for the outcome that you want but you must also plan for other outcomes so that you can kind of make peace with them because if you don't want that c-section it ends up being your journey then you need to have made peace with that before you're in it otherwise you're just going to struggle with that afterwards and so we know whatever we can do in advance to protect that positive birth experience whatever that experience may be I think is really crucial preparation because it might not go the way you want and as you say that might not be our journey but if we can just be prepared for all outcomes Mm -hmm. but then work like like a devil for the most positive version of that then I think that's the best you know and and be flexible like you say and you can even because people will say to me well Natasha I don't understand I don't understand how I can um get clear of the experience I want to have but then also say I'm okay with a cesarean because then I'm not focusing on having a cesarean and so what I say to that is Get clear of the experience you want to have and constantly think about it and vision it and see it happening in your mind's eye and have a little mantra or a little prayer that you can say um, something like this, you know, I look forward to this beautiful um, birth, home birthing experience with my husband and my midwife and my doula. And I'm also open to whatever other teachings you would have me create. And so you're not focusing on the cesarean, 
But what you're doing is you're allowing your subconscious to say, and I'm open to being flexible to whatever, you know, life is going to throw at me. Mm, not I can handle it. So, you know, so you're not, it's just kind of shifting the, the focus to something bad, right? Because I don't see, uh, you know, failures or if I had to go to the hospital and ended up with a cesarean, I would have been prepared for it because I would have had this belief that that was my something better mm. that I had to go through for whatever reason. Mm, absolutely. Well, Natasha, it's been an absolute joy listening to you, sharing your wisdom and your lovely, lovely story. Now, you've got a podcast that you mentioned at the beginning, and I'd love if you could just share, you know, where else people can carry on getting a little bit of Natasha, because it'd be lovely for people to be able to listen to your podcast. So do tell us a little bit more about where we can find you online. Yes, thank you for that. So um, everyone can go to www.caseyplusnatasha.com. Uh, that's where the podcast is. You can listen to it uh, for free, or you can uh, go to iTunes or Stitcher. At uh, I, It's called um, The Conscious Living Podcast with Natasha. So um, check it out. We have great people on the show um, weekly doing amazing things. Uh, in the world and just sharing and spreading this idea of consciousness and awareness and, and love and compassion. And also uh, something um, that I'd like to mention too, if people are interested, I just started sending out a bi-weekly exclusive email on all things conscious living. So what it is, is it's just a, an email I send twice a month, um, all about um, like a conscious uh, food. So um, something that I've used in my life with our child as well, um, that is very healthful and, um, you know, non-GMO, it's usually organic and uh, has a lot of health benefits, as well as um, uh, a product such as a laundry detergent or uh, a sunscreen that is healthy rather than full of toxins and all that crap. Uh, and then a recipe that's super easy um, and has to be obviously kid-friendly, toddler-friendly, um, because there's a lot of busy moms out there who are looking for uh, alternatives to the yucky, nasty stuff that's on the market right now. Mm-hmm. So anyways, if your listeners are interested in that, they can just go to caseyplusnatasha.com slash Fridays and sign up. Oh, lovely. It's well, I, free. Lovely. Thank you. I'll have a link to that in the podcast show notes. And I'm also going to include in the podcast show notes the YouTube video of your birth, because as you oh, mentioned, yeah, yeah. You've, you videoed it and there's a four minute video of Natasha's birth on YouTube. So I'll be showing that as well in the podcast show notes. So if you want to have something visual as well as a story, then there'll be something there for you to watch. OK, well, thank you once again, Natasha, for joining me on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work you do. And the, the world needs this these stories and and uh the women who are listening to them you know all the power to them and uh if you ever need anything reach out i will be your greatest fan as you go through this process (laughs) fantastic yeah yeah so thank you thank you bye well there you have it natasha's wonderful positive birth story and certainly as somebody that is the host of the conscious living podcast that's whose work is all around conscious living I think that it's really clear I'm sure you'll agree with me when in in saying that Natasha certainly did apply her conscious living to her pregnancy and her birth now if you want to see the video of her birth because we talked about it during the chat I also mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast then you can find that in the podcast show notes for today's episode at fearfreechildbirth.com 
dot com forward slash 210 because 210210 is the number for today's episode and that is the 10th episode in the second series that's how I'm numbering the episodes so that's where you can find the video for today's episode as well as a summary of today's chat and also the links to find out more about Natasha and her work her podcast and all that good stuff I hope that you found today's episode useful interesting delightful and all that good stuff and I'll see you again next week bye for now You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini-series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.